And so, before I begin, I just want to invite you to join me for prayer, and um, I just want to share a few thoughts with you. Father God, we come before you today, and we, we live in such a unique time in history as we consider um, COVID-19, as we consider um, the vaccination rollout, and I just want to ask that as um, I share some thoughts and perspectives that your spirit would speak to our hearts and that, um, yeah, as a community of faith, that we would be able to grow together and um, as as informed individuals that we would be able to uh, bring people's attentions to you, uh, bring people's attention to you as well who who are not in our community so i just want to pray that during this moment that yeah your spirit would um, yeah speak to our hearts and that you would give me clarity of thought as well and pray these things in your name amen so i'm going to start by sharing the official Seventh-day Adventist Church stance on vaccinations. Then I want to spend some time talking about Ellen White and vaccinations. Um, I think it's worth it to talk about Ellen White as she was um, a co-founder of this church, and her writings on health have really shaped what this church is today. Uh, many people value Ellen White's writings, uh, and so I'm, I'm going to dedicate some time to Mrs. White, and um, I think there's some facts to consider. After that, I want to talk about vaccinations and the end times, uh, as those two ideas seem to go hand to hand, uh, hand in hand, as um, as I've kind of spoken with a number of people throughout the week. Then I'm going to end by sharing um, just an official statement from the church regarding health, and I want to share some testimonies of um, of what's happening around the world and in the church and also outside of the church. Now, I realize that this sermon is going to feel a bit scattered as there are several different things that we're talking about, talking about but um, yeah, I just ask you to bear with me as I think that each, each section is important. So let's start with the official church stance on vaccination. So as voted by the General Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church on April 15 of 2015, and just to explain what the General Conference is, uh, the General Conference is the administrative body that oversees policies um, and mission for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So here's what the General Conference voted in, um, in, in, in 2015. The Seventh-day Adventist Church places strong emphasis on health and well-being. The Adventist health emphasis is based on biblical revelation, the inspired writing of Ellen G. White, a co-founder of the church, and on peer-reviewed scientific literature. As such, we encourage responsible immunization and vaccination and have no religious or faith-based reason not to encourage our adherents to responsibly participate in protective and preventative immunization programs. We value the health and safety of the population, which includes the maintenance of herd immunity. We are not the conscience, uh, we are not the conscious of the individual church member and recognize individual choices. These are exercised by the individual. The choice not to be immunized is not and should not be seen as the dogma or the doctrine of the Seventh day Adventist Church. Now, there's an emphasis on two separate issues from the policy that was voted in on April 15, 2015. First, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is pro-vaccination. 
COVID-19 is having a dramatic effect worldwide. Uh, as of the 6th of September of t- uh, 2021, over 220 million people have been diagnosed with COVID-19. More than 4.5 million people have died, and over 30% of people diagnosed with COVID-19 have been left with ongoing health problems referred to as COVID long. Having said that, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is also pro-choice. The issue of vaccination is a difficult decision for some, and this church recognizes that opinions on the best way to protect our bodies are going to vary between individuals. In some cases, the vaccination is going to be the wrong choice, depending on the medical history of the individual. And for this reason, I'm going to try to be respectful, as as respectful, uh, I want to try and be respectful as I give an opinion on today's topic. Our our denomination is one of the most diverse denominations in the world. We are ethnically, politically, socioeconomically diverse, and it's only natural that we have different opinions when it comes to vaccination, especially given the circumstance that we find ourselves uh, in with our jobs and being connected to mandatory vaccinations. Revelation 14 verse 6 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. The gospel message, which is central to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is a message of inclusion. The church always has been and will continue to cultivate inclusion and diversity. Jinha and I want you to know that we don't want anyone to feel alienated. We recognize that society and the government is putting a lot of pressure on everyone to get vaccinated, and and this stirs up strong emotions. So for those of you who are choosing not to get vaccinated, we want you to know that we care about you, we understand the challenges that you face, and we're here for you as you go through this tough time. At the same time, the church is not exempt from the policies that govern public health and safety. On top of that, there are many, including myself, who are concerned about the contagious nature of COVID-19. So choosing not to get vaccinated significantly increases the chances of infection and transmission of of COVID-19. And it's my hope that everyone in our church can learn to be understanding and considerate of one another. This is going to be a challenging journey moving forward, and I hope that in our church we can be committed to one another as we journey through this pandemic. I want to share a website with you that you can access by scanning the QR code. As I mentioned before, uh, the General Conference is an administrative body that oversees uh, the policies and mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It does this by utilizing 13 divisions, which are subsidiary bodies that cover the world. Our division, which is the South Pacific Division, developed a series of excellent health education videos that deal with COVID-19 vaccinations, and I just want to share them with you. Here's some examples of what you can find if you scan if you scan the QR code. You can find videos from uh, videos of the message from the president of the division, a video about the vaccine and its side effects, a video about uh, an overview of the Adventist viewpoint when it comes to COVID-19 and the vaccinations, and much more. So let's talk about Ellen White and vaccinations. 
Merlin Burt, who is the current director of the White Estate at Andrews University, compiled some research on Ellen White and vaccination. If you want to look at the article in its entirety, feel free to scan the QR code, and it'll take you to the White Estate uh, website, along with um, research and, 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 a, and a compiling of um, Ellen White and, and her stance on vaccination. Let me share just a few uh, excerpts from that article. So in 1924, uh, Willie C. White, who was Ellen White's son, wrote to Dr. Uh, Kellogg in Loma Linda. And Kellogg had asked Willie C. Wright about uh, Ellen White's attitude toward vaccinations. And here's what Willie C. Wright, uh, Willie C. White wrote. According to Willie C. Wright, she regarded it as a perplexing question. He continued, I do not remember of her ever saying or writing that she had special instruction regarding vaccination. Now, this is significant because vaccinations had been available for a hundred years um, at the time of, of Ellen White's life. And when you read the book, Ministry of Healing, um, Ellen White writes about the dangers of the use of poisonous drugs. And in the context of the Ministry of Healing and, and, and this, these particular um, quotes, Ellen White is talking about questionable medical practices. Now, keep in mind, in 1905, when uh, Ellen White wrote the Ministry of Healing, people were using radioactive water or radium water to increase vitality and treat arthritis. Um, when people started dying from the practice, of course, uh, the connection was made and the trend stopped. So medicine has developed quite a bit since then. But amidst the many unhealthy practices of her day, she never spoke about vaccination. The conclusion here is Ellen White gave significant uh, direction in regards to health, uh, health practices in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but she didn't have any counsel uh, for or against vaccination specifically. Now, if you keep re reading the article, you'll find in 1931, D.E. Robinson wrote a letter in response to a question on Ellen White and vaccination. Now, you may be wondering, who is D.E. Robinson? Robinson was a staff member of uh, of Ellen White, and he's responsible for typing the manuscript uh, for Christ Object Lessons. He also married the eldest daughter of William White, who was Ellen White's son. So in 1931, D.E. Robinson was asked about Ellen White and vaccinations, and he also states that Ellen White didn't have anything to say about vaccination, but You'll be interested to know, however, that at the time when there was an epidemic of smallpox in the vicinity, Ellen White herself was vaccinated and urged her helpers, those connected with her, to be vaccinated. In taking this step, in taking this step, Sister White recognized the fact that it has been proven that vaccination either renders one immune from smallpox or greatly lightens its effects if one does come down with it. She also recognized the danger of their exposing others if they failed to take this precaution. Now, I'm only highlighting two sections of the article, but for those of you who find value in the writings of Ellen White, I'd encourage you to read through the, the whole article. 
as I mentioned this week, um, I interacted with a number of <clears throat> individuals on Facebook, and, and a reoccurring statement that was shared um, is that the government-mandated uh, vaccination are a sign of the end times. So I want to look at what the Bible says uh, in regards to what will happen in the end. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, there's a list of prophecies of what will happen in the end times as an indicator of the imminent return of Jesus. This morning, I'm just going to highlight two verses that predict epidemic plagues and persecution. So, Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Reading on in verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. I just want to make this comment. If we interpret government-mandated vaccinations as a sign of the end, then to be theologically consistent, we have to then acknowledge the dangers of COVID-19. In the actual prophecy, Jesus says, watch out for both. To be theologically consistent, those who warn of government-mandated vaccinations should also be warning everyone of the dangers of COVID-19. This is accurate prophetic proclamation. We find ourselves in a challenge when we maximize the dangers of government control, but minimize the dangers of COVID-19. The Bible is quite Uh, specific when it comes to persecution and suffering. And I want to spend some time kind of exploring um, persecution and suffering in the context of being a Christian. Now, the Bible says that persecution is connected to worship, not so much health. The end times, according to Matthew 24 and Revelation, are connected to worship. So in the end time, persecution happens because people stand for Jesus. Bruce Shelley explains in his book, Church History in Plain Language, why persecution took place um, with the early Christians. There was a period of time when the Romans didn't bother the the Christians. Uh, They were seen as a sect of the Jews, and the reason why the Romans didn't bother the Jews is because uh, they were incredibly loyal to their homeland, uh, their God, their customs, and they were willing to die in the face of adversity. If you think about Israelite history, uh, they occupied the promised land by force. They knew how to fight, and they could organize themselves. If you read the history between the Jews and the Romans, several times there were rebellions that led to significant fighting. As peace agreements were drawn, uh, the Romans left the Jews alone. As the Jews were an insular group, uh, a group they largely kept to themselves. And as long as the Jews were peaceful um, and kept their end of the treaty, the Romans would leave the Jews alone. Well, the Jews began to communicate to the Romans, hey, the Christians are not like us. We are not the same. And while the Jews were insular and they kept to themselves, the Christians did not keep to themselves. They talked about Jesus every chance that they had. And as more people decided to give more loyalty to Jesus, it meant that there was less loyalty given to Caesar. It meant that fewer people practiced paganism. It meant that more people were speaking the name of Jesus because their lives were changed. And the Romans saw a shift of allegiance from Caesar to Christ. Now, 
I know that for those who are opposed to the vaccination, taking the vaccination, it feels like a compromise of faith. It feels like a compromise of freedom and, and, and personal health. And it's true that there are side effects to the vaccination and life is sacred. But in order for a resistance of vaccination to be considered an act of worship, a few things need to happen. People that decide not to be vaccinated, should this decision should lead to a deeper commitment to Christ. There should be a deeper sense of love and devotion to God, a deeper sense of peace. The result of this decision should be more people speaking the name of Jesus and experiencing the transformation of character that takes place as a result of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people. The result should not be a deeper sense of fear, an increase of skepticism, an increase of anger. Notice what Paul says about persecution, or excuse me, what Peter says about persecution. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Does this mean that I don't think we're in the end times? We are certainly fulfilling parts of Matthew 24. There's no doubt about it. But generally speaking, the issue of mandated vaccinations doesn't center around the name of Christ. Uh, For those of you who have walked away from employment, I don't want to minimize the seriousness of those decisions, of of these decisions, or the unfairness of the rules. The whole situation just, it stinks. And I'm praying that the loss of employment is temporary for you. There's another reason why I don't think that mandated vaccination qualifies as religious persecution. This is because we have the freedom to vote. And and next year, we get to choose who's going to lead Victoria. I'm quite sure that every opponent of the current premier is going to promise a different approach to the pandemic. And because we have the freedom to choose who our leaders are, and we get to influence the rules that are put in place... um, the idea of end time, per, uh, the idea of the circumstance that we find ourselves in being end time persecution, it, it doesn't quite match the narrative. So, is this the end? You know, when I think about world history and what we're facing today in context of world history, I feel like this question becomes more clear. When I think about the early 1900s, from, say, 1905 all the way to 1950, so much happened in the world. World War I took place. Right after World War I finished, the Spanish flu took place, where 50 million people died. Then after that, you had the Great Depression. And after the Great Depression finished, we had World War II, Can you imagine living in that 40-year period of time, that 40, 50-year period of time? Can you imagine being a 20-year-old 
getting ready to live your life and face the world and um, experience all that life has to offer and then live through that 40, 50-year period. That would have been terrible. And the reality is that would have felt like the end times. Fast forward almost 100 years, and here we are in 2021 in the midst of a pandemic. What we are facing today certainly is in line with Matthew 24. But I find that how Jesus describes the end times is quite helpful when it comes to understanding where we are in the context of history. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Nations will rise against one another and kingdoms against one another. There will be famines and earthquakes here and there. All this is just the start of birth pangs. The end times are described as a woman in labor. And I realize I'm not the best person to talk about this in that I've never been in labor. But some of you have recently. Um, and some of you will be recently. Uh, some of you will be soon. When Jesus describes the end times, what he says is that these events are going to happen, and as we get closer to the end, these events will increase in frequency and intensity, just as contractions increase in frequency and intensity. And those contractions let you know the baby is coming. And just as these events happen in the world, they communicate to us, Christ is coming. Now, this certainly feels like a contraction, what we're going through. But I do want to say, it was way worse back then. So how do we interpret the fulfillment of the signs? I want to encourage you to read through Matthew chapter 24. Be aware of how Jesus wants us to respond in these events. God wants us to invest less in this world and invest more in his kingdom. And as we see the things around us fall apart, when we see the things of this world fail and fade away, it brings assurance that God is building something eternal, something worth investing in. Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 to 13, Jesus continues and says, And because lawlessness will be on the increase, many will find their love growing cold. But the one who who lasts out to the end will be delivered. And so Jesus's counsel um, for those of us who are going through these end time events is cling to love, cling to one another. Don't allow the events of the world to turn your heart cold. I want to end uh, today's sermon, today's talk about a statement on health from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I want to share with you some um, events that are happening around the world within the Seventh-day Adventist Church and, and, and a testimony of what's happening outside of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So here's a statement from the South Pacific Division. The Seventh-day Adventist Church looks to Christ's example for how to live our lives within His will. We believe in Christ's healing ministry demonstrated God's desire for his people to experience health in the present. Not only did he heal everywhere he went, he also instructed his disciples to do likewise. 
The Adventist Church believes that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, designed to bring glory to God. As such, it is important to look after our bodies. Good health is a gift, and we need to treasure it. We follow a biblical model of health, promoting whole person health across the seven dimensions of wellness, emotional, physical, social, vocational, intellectual, environmental, and spiritual. It's for this reason that I even preach a sermon on the COVID-19 vaccinations and, and the times that we live in. I want to share with you some events that are happening um, in our division. Uh, our conference president sent out a letter uh, this week um, talking about what's happening in some of the other countries, and, and I wanted to read this part of the letter to you. Reading from uh, the, the writing of, of, of the president, this week I've heard news of what's happening in some other countries. Let me briefly share a few key points as I heard them reported. Right now, the Delta stream of the COVID-19 virus has hit Papua New Guinea um, and is spreading rapidly. Only 1% of the population have been vaccinated. I think it would have been better for me to have text on a slide. (laughs) The virus is significantly impacting Seventh-day Adventists. There's panic and fear as they see the virus spread amongst them. And as loved ones die, one mission secretary's wife has passed away from COVID-19. Another mission is in lockdown with eight cases earlier this week. I might need you to come in right now. I might need you to read this. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like two for two. Last two times I'm on screen. I'm like bawling my eyes out. All right, here we go. The morgues are full. ICUs are full. Hospitals are full to overflowing. They're pleading for PPE and hand sanitizer. The South Pacific Division and Adder are responding. The people are panicking. In Fiji, there are a number of Adventists who've lost their lives, including people with significant leadership roles. Unfortunately, they have chosen to not be vaccinated. Please pray for our island brothers and sisters. It's appropriate to pause and pay tribute to all who've lost their lives to COVID-19. In India, some 300 of our fellow Adventist teachers, pastors, and literature evangelists have died from COVID-19. It was reported that Brazil has the highest COVID-19 death rate of any country, yet the death rate among Adventists is significantly higher than the general population. Thousands have lost their lives. New Start, the eight laws of health, are widely promoted in Brazil. It was reported that Adventists have thought that they would be safe from COVID-19, and so many have not been vaccinated. As I mentioned, thousands have lost their lives to the virus. This is a real killer. 
And then there are the long-term effects of COVID-19 for those who survive with long-term debilitating effects. You know, we find ourselves in this time where, um, you know, sometimes we quote statistics to each other um, in in our arguments and our debates. I'll uh, look at the low fatality rate of um, COVID-19 or look at the high uh, adverse reaction rate of the vaccination. And, you know, while we're quoting numbers, these are, these are actual lives. Um, people are actually dying and, and families are, families are being impacted. Um, and so I think as we, as we share these numbers, um, we really need to consider what these numbers actually mean. Jinhan, I have a friend named Dave Chen, and he's a, a hospital physician in the U.S. And he wrote a comment on on our Facebook page, and, and I want to read the comment to you because um, sometimes I think it's important to get a firsthand uh, testimony from someone who's seen COVID and its effects in the hospital. I want to read Dave, Chen, Dave Chen's uh, comment to you. As a hospital physician, I've taken care of patients with COVID since the beginning of the pandemic. I cannot count the number of patients I and my colleagues have watched die. Fairly helplessly, those who suffocated to death while gasping for air through diseased lungs, those who had strokes and heart attacks, cardiomyopathy and blood clots from the virus, those who lost taste and smell and through encephalopathy, I should have practice these words, <laughs> the will to live and literally starve to death. The list goes on. I've watched all these things while trying nearly every variation of medical therapeutic, often in vain. I've gone to work for a year and a half now, terrified of getting the disease myself and getting it to my family. We've endured self-imposed quarantine for our family countless times by virtue of my profession in order to protect those around us. I eventually did get the virus just days before the first vaccines were available here in the U.S. I watched my colleague joyfully get in line to be vaccinated while I myself was febrile and also watched my own family suffer as they got it from me. Though we had mild cases, it took me months to physically recover to the point where I was no longer fatigued, just doing usual things like walking around work. My wife still has not recovered her sense of taste and smell fully nearly a year later and perhaps never will. I visited other colleagues as they were hospitalized, and several of our hospital staff even died from it. I and my colleagues have endured many forms of ridicule, character assassination, and as I've already alluded to even in the comments above, and harassment including by anti-vaxxers protesting outside our hospital. I've watched countless colleagues leave our hospital to the field of medicine entirely. While side effects from vaccination are possible, the simple statistical fact is that the catastrophic extreme of any of these is significantly higher than COVID itself. The vaccine is not perfect, but few things in medicine are. The difference in risk is by order of magnitude, all in favor of immunization. I do not say this to diminish the suffering of those who believe they have experienced side effects from the vaccine, <clears throat> but to again remind people of how insidious and vicious this virus can be. 
Those who speculate on the origins of the virus or issues of freedom and rights may think that they have legitimate cause, but I guarantee none have watched as many die from them as I have from COVID. I have no desire to argue. I simply, I'm simply putting forward a testimony. So for those of you who are part of our faith community, for those of you who watch our uh, live stream and, and, and worship with us, I, I ask you to prayerfully consider the times that we're living in and the decisions made moving forward. I understand the vaccine. I understand the vaccine is the vaccine is not for everyone, um, and at the same time, for those of you who are able to get vaccinated, um, from a pastor's perspective, I highly encourage you to consider the vaccination. Um, let's close the prayer, and um, we'll finish for today. Father God. As we consider these challenging times that we are faced with, when it comes to um, the health and safety of ourselves and our loved ones, we find ourselves in, in, in a challenge of, of navigating um, articles and news reporting and uh, conflicting health reports. And Father, I just want to pray that you would teach us as, as your people um, to know how to navigate this, uh, to to consult good, good, thorough research. And as we engage in dialogue, as we decide what to do, I just pray that you would guide us as a people. Father, be with those who um, are experiencing incredible hardship through this time um, of the pandemic. And I just pray that your hand would watch over them. We thank you for hearing our prayers. So we ask this in your name. Amen.